Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bune, and this week's episode, Leandra sits down with the comedian Whitney Cummings. This chat was recorded in the Man Repeller office. It's a really good one, so let's get into it. also is that there are a lot of like highly intelligent people in all of these industries right and so why are they also like attracted to the low common denominator like do the funny thing yeah I think most people ha- uh, who don't make their living focusing on other people and being interested and interesting most mm-hmm. people like have three kids and men have jobs and go home and have to deal with their kids and help them with homework and watch a sitcom and go to bed and aren't kept up at night. Most people are kept up at night and like, am I going to pay my bills tomorrow? Right. You know, like, so I think they just want to like be made laugh, like make me laugh. Yeah. Look good on Numb the red it. carpet. Numb me. I think so. I think that I being a comedian has been super educational for me because I get to go around the country and meet like people who aren't in our business right. and see sort of what their needs are. And for the most part, they're like, make me laugh. I don't really care how, just as long as I'm involuntarily laughing, I don't care how you do it. I don't care highbrow, lowbrow. I don't care if you're farting or doing like a brilliant political joke. I don't really care. Just make me laugh. If you're on drugs or having a crisis, it's not my problem because I'm having my own crisis and I don't need to take on yours, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I've discovered. You know, they're like, Britney Spears sucks. It's like, Middle America loves Britney Spears. She comes on and they're in the car and go into carpool lane and it's awesome. Or like, we published a story this morning, or today at one o'clock about how Kim Kardashian may or may not be the new Jeff Koons. And so, yeah, you Mm. just made that face. I know. So many people were like, unfollow, UF, see you later, alligator. And I'm like, why why don't you at least listen? Just read the story. Yes, read the story. Just listen, form an opinion. You don't have to unfollow so quickly. But you know why? If Kim Kardashian, like what we were just saying, which I don't know if any of you heard, is that when we hear Kim Kardashian, our neural pathways are conditioned to go, I go, Kim Kardashian, Paris Hilton, this is what she came from. If she just appeared on the scene today, in the version she is now with a selfie book. And I'm like, is this art? Is this performance art? Is this meta? Is this postmodern? Is this, is she mocking us? Is this, I'd be like, is this nine levels of like, are we the joke? Am I the, you know? But I think maybe because we've seen her too long, we feel like we have this ownership over her and we have these preconceived judgments and all our brains try to do is confirm what we already know. But don't you also feel like those judgments are evolving as she remains on the scene for longer and the conversation around her gets even more intelligent. Like if Jerry Saltz is forming an opinion on Kim Kardashian, she's obviously an important and inescapable figure in pop culture. I think the question is, do we look at her in reverence or do do we look at her so we feel superior about ourselves? So what does it say about human nature? Because we love, our human nature, we like to see people suffer and hate. What is it called? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Thank you. At least someone here is an education. I, w- I, I just said Schadenfreude. Shit. <laughs> shit and fruit. Schadenfreude. My autobiography. <laughs> so what is a Schadenfreude? Is when we take pleasure in other people's um, demise or embarrassments or whatever, mm-hmm. which is like started in the gladiator Very Marquis de Sade chic. Exactly, right. Mm-hmm. Like public hanging. But this is the modern day gladiator show, mm-hmm. right? Having, you know. Yeah, that's such a good point. Rubbernecking syndrome, reality shows. That's probably why my neck is actually stiff. You I literally was at Billy have... Joel on Saturday night and I was literally rubbernecking. <laughs> I was like, how many more sequins am I going to see on middle-aged women from Long Island coming down here? How many oh more? Oh my God. How many more cargo shorts and Crocs am oh I going to have God. to endure? at this show. Yeah, and then Uptown Girl came on 
and all was right. But how do you feel about that? Like, I think in fashion, that's a big thing is a lot of times haters, which now the online community comments, et cetera, we've mm -hmm. got such a big peanut gallery of rooting for people to fail or like waiting for, it's like the kind of people that go to hockey games or watch ice skaters and right. they just wait for the fall or they just want the hockey players to fight. Or it's like the kind of people fight. who follow, who, who only hate follow on Instagram, Hate right? follow, yes, it totally. So Such it's like Kim Kardashian, if she wins 9% of the time, the time she loses or does something, whatever, I don't really follow her that closely. Um, I think it's more, what does it say about us? Because she's just a mirror to us. Right. I mean, that's, I guess that's true about everyone, right? Yes. And that's why, so we had a story or Amelia and I worked on a story last month that was called, Is Everything We Do a Selfie? It's not called like, Amelia Has the Most Beautiful Eyes in the Office? No, but okay. that is uh, what we are renaming Man Repeller. <laughs> <laughs> dot edu. Mm -hmm. Exactly, dot edu. <laughs> but I was thinking about, we have like a thesis of the month, and this month the thesis is Deal With Anxiety, and last month it was Is Everything We Do a Selfie? Yes. And it was just, well, and this, I guess this will take us right back to whether or not I'm a narcissist. Right. You may have missed this earlier, but <laughs> before the, the cameras were rolling, I told Whitney that I've never not loved myself. And she said that probably makes you a narcissist. No, I said that. Could, <laughs> I did not say that. I said it's possible that you're a clinical narcissist. Do you want to find out if you are one? We, so we're going to do that in just We're going to do the narcissist But anyway, test. so we were talking about this notion of everything being a selfie, right? And how everything is actually a reflection of who we are and what we want yes, to do. Yes, always. Including everything having children. Like a, a Rorschach like, test. Mm -hmm. What do you see? Exactly. What do you see in Kim Kardashian? Exactly. It says everything about you, nothing about her. And social media is only further perpetuating that. Right. But it was around before social media. Of course. And it was just manifesting in other ways, mm -hmm. right? And, well, and there was no literal physical manifestation of it. Yeah. We just, un instead of going in comment sections, and writing things down permanently, we just went, hey, I hate Kim Kardashian, and blah, blah, blah. We just did it at dinner, and no one else heard us. Yeah, there wasn't this huge echo chamber. Back in the days when MeyerBriggs.com was right. the biggest website, right? <laughs> like, their SEO man. People would write each other letters, and they would be, that Joan Rivers, I hate her outfit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know. Oh, God. I guess that's what you would, that's how, you, how did you hate back in the day? You know? Yeah. Public hangings. Game shows was a big one. Game shows were basically the reality shows of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The Price is Right. You'd see people go up. Right. Are they going to guess right or wrong? And then we get enjoyment from their humiliation. Mm -hmm. If they got it wrong, I knew it was $7. But, then, but we would also be really sympathetic, don't you think? If they, yeah, depending like on who you are. Every time Kim K falls, I feel like there's a little bit of sympathy that crowds yes. her. It, but it depends. It's like, it's like um, you know, when you somewhat see someone fail, do you go, oh, poor thing? Or do you go, I, I knew it, it's a jerk. Right. Um, and it makes you feel superior. Mm -hmm. Totally it depends. depends on your personality. Yes. And I think for everyone, there's a little bit of that, a little element. I, well, and that also boils down to jealousy, right? Jealousy is, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that, that has, um, plays a role in it. But when people like hate on me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, you know what, if you need that, to get through the day, like you can have it. That is such an interesting and important point. Cause that happened to me also about a year post launch man repeller. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is why I always liked myself. Cause hmm. when people were mean to me when I was younger and yeah. I, I wasn't bullied, but I had fucking mean friends. Yeah. I went to an Orthodox Jewish day school. And the only thing worse than teenage girls are Jewish teenage girls. Okay. Anti-Semitism. So I'm not a part mean of this. To each I don't other. Agree. They're so mean to each other. <laughs> right. And um, I used to come home from school crying all the time. Huh. Again, like Holocaust dreams that I would wake up from and wish I was still in. Hashtag Holocaust yeah. dreams. Yeah. We should probably cut that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I would come home and I would be crying and my mom would say, Leandra, when people are mean to you, it's not because they don't like you, it's because they hate themselves. And I was like, Phew. 
Okay, so you had that ingrained in your brain at a very young age. Yeah. Most people don't ever get that right. insight. And if you're very self-aware, you notice yeah. that when you're mean or have negative thoughts, it's because you're unhappy with yourself. Anger. It never has anything to do with the other person. Yeah. But I don't remember what this was. Oh, right. So with comments Are you an narcissist? Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> but with comments and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I, I remember someone asking me how I deal with it one time, and my response was... I try to think of it from the perspective of the other person mm -hmm. and whether or not I would ever feel compelled to like log into a commenting platform, yeah. Take write a nasty thing and then hit send. publish. And you if you're hitting publish, you're going back to see if other people are responding to you yeah. and then you're responding to them. You're so alone and yeah, you're in you so much pain. Yeah, you have to be in a really dark place. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little dopamine hit. It's a right. little superiority hit. So it's, I feel superior. Mm -hmm. I can be better than this famous girl for like two seconds. I it's get to win. It's the dead megaphone. I get to of. win, yes. And um, yeah, so I just try to like send compassion that way. And also I've had to learn a lot because um, when I first started working all this, because I'm a comedian, I am used to feedback. I'm yeah. used to getting negative feedback to the point to where I make it funny and then it gets positive feedback. But a quote I really like about comedy, and I wonder if you do this too, because you're funny, and I don't know if you have a comedian brain, you actually might, but a lot of people say that comedians get into comedy so that we can control why you laugh at us. We know you're going to, yeah. but we're going to take control. It's a control thing. So right. I'm going to make fun of myself before you can make fun of me. Right. You know, like I'm gawky, I'm this, I'm, I'm single, I'm lonely. So what? Now what are you going to do? Nothing. You can win the fight before it's even started. Right. So um, it's hard for, that's made me a little bit impenetrable. Um, but also a forgiveness thing. I, someone said to me once, and it kind of blew my mind, the same way your mom's thing did, of that forgiveness we don't forgive other people because they deserve forgiveness. We forgive other people because we deserve peace. Right. And if you go around all day being resentful about people's comments, it just like toxifies your life. Yeah. And it's just like, ain't nobody got time for that. Well, so, yeah. You know? The other theory about why comedians become comedians is that, um, is that like Louis C.K. theory, right? Which that is? That ultimately we're all alone and we're all gonna die. And so this is the only, like this relief is the only way to satisfy our time here right and I think that's true for Jerry Seinfeld also where like there's this like deep darkness yeah that just needs to be quelled somehow yeah do you I find yourself dark really? I think um in some ways I do mm -hmm. um I I think I, I can't speak for them I think for me personally and my generalization about comedians and I think you and I can relate on this level I think we all just need to be seen and heard yeah. and I think most comedians either weren't seen as kids or heard as kids if you go on stage and basically take you know thousands of people hostage to listen to you and they're not allowed to talk back and if they do security will remove them like you have a, an extreme need to be heard right. you know and maybe if you're in fashion you might have a need to be seen mm -hmm. you know in some way so I was invisible as a kid I didn't get enough attention so I had to work really hard to get attention and now I sort of do that in my professional life yeah. I do it with the way I dress sometimes I mean which is something we can talk about my philosophy on fashion not that I really have one but when I need to be seen, I dress a certain way to fulfill that inner need. And when I want to hide, I dress a certain way, right. you know? So when I do stand-up, I dress very monochromatic and hoodie and nothing. And I want to disappear because I want people to listen to my jokes. Right. And when I'm not doing stand-up, I dress super flamboyant because I still have that need to be seen. But I don't get to tell jokes to get attention. So it's filling a like very deep emotional 
need. Why did you feel like, why do you feel like you didn't get enough attention as a kid? I just, very simple, like I had a very, you know, as we all do on some level, I had a pretty dysfunctional home where there was just so much going on. There just wasn't a lot of room for my needs. Like I was the youngest child. I was 11 months younger than my sister, so I was definitely a mistake. Like there was no room for me with everyone had very big emotions. Oh, there was always crises happening. And I just sort of like had to, the way that I was able to survive was to be like quiet and perfect and overachieve. And then I had to work really hard. I, if I got laughs, I got attention. Mm -hmm. um, or if I like did something super dramatic, you know, right. which is why I think I became a performer. It's because right. I, how, how I got attention and it's what worked for me. You know, and now I happen to really enjoy it. But you weren't actually a mistake, right? Because like your mom had nine months to decide whether or not. Yeah, that's true. But back then the technology wasn't available to just, by the time she found it. a guy, it was probably too late. You know what I mean? By the time she got like her yeah. act together <laughs> to fix, solve that problem. Do you have a good relationship with your parents? I, it's not great. My mom actually did public relations for Bloomingdale's and okay. Neiman Marcus. So I actually grew up in department stores. Huh. And that is how I have, the modeling thing on Wikipedia is not not for real. I used to do like childhood fashion shows as a kid. I did those too. That's so funny. For Zionist organizations. That's. I'd send money to Israel. Okay. Maybe <laughs> that's why you're having so nightmares. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you fully gotten into that on this podcast? I was in a Jewish choir. Okay, okay. Yeah. Have you talked about this to everybody yet? Mm -hmm. Okay, everyone pretty much knows. Okay. I feel like I'm pretty caught up on you, but I did not know that. Yeah. The plot thickens on the Andre guys. Um, so, and where in the choir were you? Meaning front, middle, back. Oh, I was smack in the middle. It was so annoying. Interesting. And so I used to go ha ha to oh, get more attention. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's yeah. You needed to be heard. Child. You needed to be heard. You sort well, of. Well, and that's my whole thing with fashion, right? Is that it's just another language that I use to connect. Yeah. Because I like people and I like talking to them and I like. I noticed that first thing. It says it's so interesting because I thought. Because growing up around fashion, I felt it was a little bit frivolous, like when I was younger, mm -hmm. when I couldn't afford it, especially. I'm right. like, why would you spend $1,000 on this ridiculous thing? You know, I had resentment towards it. And my mom would go around and was doing PR for clothes. So in my head, I was always just competing with fashion. And right. I was like, why is fashion better than me and me? And then as uh, when I became a writer, I realized how important fashion is because the costume designer is sometimes the most important person in a staff because you need to be able to say who a character is without them talking. Right. So when a character walks on screen, I need to know everything about them, how much they make, what they do for a living, if they're married, if they like themselves, if they're sexual. I need to know so many things solely based on their outfit. Right. And I learned the value of fashion. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. The colors they choose, the cut they choose. Like I can learn so much about you just now. Like you're super fun, you're adventurous, you're experimental, you don't take yourself too seriously. Like you travel. Like I know so much about you just from the way you're dressed today. Yes, I travel from Bowery to <laughs> You travel from Topshop to eBay to the gym. To the gym. <laughs> I know your whole Those schedule based on what you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't shave the top of my legs and I want people to know it. Well, I could tell that by, I would have been able to tell that by your ring finger if you were wearing your wedding ring. Are you? Well, I'm wearing a ring that says Mrs. C. That's pretty hot. Because his last name is Cohen. Okay. I like this. And you got this made? Yeah, my friend made it for me. It? That's so badass. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you have a pretty badass I like it life. too. I'm I feel like jealous. it's a really perverse, it's a really subversive way to show my feminism. 
Because it's like, yeah, my fucking last name might be Medine. It also might be Cohen. What's the big deal? But if you're I also go by owning it in name? sort of a gangster ass right, way. Right. I don't. Do you believe that it's not feminist to take your husband's last name? Absolutely not. I take yeah. my husband's last name, but yeah. I still go by Leandra Medine. Basically, I think feminism means we can do whatever we want, well, including like, feminism doesn't get to tell me ex- what choice right, I make. Right, doesn't inform the choices that yes. you make. Um, I think that in an ideal world, the fourth wave of feminism is just being, right? Yeah, it's without no any judgment. Like, yeah. We don't fit in boxes. That's yeah. what it is. It's getting, it's removing yourself from the freaking yeah. box. Well, my thing is if you're focused on me either being a feminist or not being a feminist, the same with if you're focused on Kim Kardashian, what's going on in your life right. that you can't be in your own skin for five minutes that you're focusing on my shortcomings yeah. <laughs> like again if you need on, to focus on, on my shortcomings dot net which by the way because i have to talk about this topic a lot because i believe when i get married yeah right uh i will have to change my last name because it's coming <laughs> that's literally it's have not have you ever gotten close to marriage have i ever gotten close to marriage i th- i thought i did at the time in hindsight i was like that was ridiculous but yeah for sure i never thought i was going to get married and then I found someone that I wanted to trap. Uh, so then I was like, oh, I should get married so that I can trap him. It was mm-hmm. not a healthy impulse. Well, that's what I did with my husband. Oh, good job. I chased him for about three years. I called him every single week for three years to ask that's if he was in love with me. So, and what did he say? He said no for three years. And then I stopped calling him. And then, of course, he was like, so where? What's up? And I was like, I don't know. Now do you want to get married? And he was like, mm, OK. Mm-hmm. Please, are you writing a book about that? It, well, it, it was in my first book. Please, I, I, I will take a class. You okay. can have a book. We have so many okay. books. You can okay. take that book. Okay, good. I need all of this. I'm not literate, but I will learn to read just to learn about but that. But I would never recommend that someone try to achieve a husband the way that I got mine. Well, it worked. I mean, yes. you know, we still don't know how the pyramids were built. Yesterday, I told him that for the three years we were broken up, every time I would pray, I would pray that God would open up his heart to me. And he was like, I'm so happy you didn't tell me that before we got married. <laughs> before I got this ring made for you. I, <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I feel comfortable telling you that. I apologize. The first time I ever had a stalker, and I think the last, I had this guy who would call me every day, like, like 60 times a day from like random oh. numbers and calling cards and stuff. And um, he would like leave messages that were like, hey, he had said that we had met, but every time he called, he kind of said he had a different name. Like it was very shady and I couldn't answer the phone. This went on for like seven days. I called the police and the police were like, okay, we're gonna bug your phone. And they taught me how to talk to a stalker. They were like, you don't deny them. You don't ask them any questions. You agree with everything they say. It's basically like improv, like yes and. If they're like, I met you last week, be like, yeah, that was so much fun. It was good seeing you. Like you have to buy into their insanity. Okay. They were like, you need to keep him on the phone for two minutes and we can find out where he is. All you need to do is keep him on the phone for two minutes. So finally, I'm like, terrified I'm like shaking I have to answer the phone when he calls and I'm like hey he's like yeah we met at some lot and we're having a conversation and then I kind of get into it you know I'm like yeah that's we did we he's like we met at Sony I'm like yeah that was really fun you know what else is going on and we like had like a chat for like five minutes the police are like okay you can hang up now like get off the phone with (laughs) you weirdo and then he never called me again and literally, like two days later, I was like, "Is it something I said? Like, should I? Like, I started to <laughs> like, miss him a little bit. I know. I was like, what did I do? It's like your husband. It's yeah. like, why is why isn't he calling me anymore? Like, it kind of hurt my feelings. Did you ever write about this? Did no, you turn it into an no episode I haven't done it to anything. Oh, you have to. It's too dark. I did just see your waxed ingrowns. Why yeah. are we still waxing? I don't know. So I'm, maybe you do hate I, yourself. I'm, you said you loved yourself, but you're still waxing. Right. Oh, that's mm-hmm. hypocritical. I just started doing this like two years ago before 
before that I shaved, and before that I did nothing. I'm really, really vetting for the 70s return. It's kind of happening, I thought. Uh -huh. I thought the pubes are happening. Yeah. My gyno, because I'm always looking things to write about in my stand-up, I'm always like, what's happening? What's the new thing? IUD, what are we doing? Like, mm -hmm. what are the trends? They're dying, they're dying vagina hair. Lots of people are doing Dying that. vagina mm -hmm. hair because of the grays? They're vajaying. I have girls for vajay. Mm -hmm. I need some vajay. No, like colors, dye. like Bozo the Clown stuff, like Sex in the City, Samantha Jones stuff. Lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. What's that? Um, well, because I was watching some of these, and you had a guest on who had never seen Sex and the City, and I... Yes, Stacey London. I was... Modified? I, your response to it was so fantastic, because you did not, in that moment, care about her feelings at all, and I mm -hmm. loved it. You were like, what? How did you learn how to be a woman? It was so great. Isn't that terrible, though? And I did a show with Michael Patrick King, who is my best friend, and uh, so I was just like, loved you in that moment. I, it was very, And very she was like, isn't there a thing me. about a post-it? You were like, yes, she got broken up with on a post-it. Like, you're so adamant but about it. But also, like, why is that the thing she knows? Yeah, like, it was just like, how could you not have seen it? It was, like, so crazy. No, it was such a wonder to me. I yeah. hope she watched. She said she was going to watch afterward. Yeah. But so we just filmed an episode with Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor, too. And awesome. I emailed Lena yesterday and was like, it's, I feel really happy for girls that are growing up now who see you as their Sex in the City reference Yes, yes, point, yes, yes, yes. Or what Sex in the City was for me. Right. Even though I still, I look back on that show and I don't feel like it was you dated. You can still watch so Sex in the City as your coming I'm, of age show. I am in pursuit of a televised marathon every single night. You don't have the um, pink velvet book? Oh, I still watch the DVDs from oh, the Pink Velvet Sex and the City book. Player. I'm on it. Look, you've got all the perfumes and Joe Malone's and clothes. I will hook you up with the Sex and oh, the City so entire wonderful. season. That'd be there's wonderful. also there's mashups on YouTube that I gotta get to. I'm all over it. Sarah Jessica Parker and I did a collaboration together with Fendi the same season. It was we were like in the same bunch, and we were at a dinner together. And she was seated four seats away from me, and I was too afraid. I was like paralyzed by fear, and I didn't say hi. When I met her, I cried. I think I would cry. I cried and I was like, you've been my best friend for eight years. You didn't, you don't know about it and you should absolutely. Have you ever heard my theory on Sex in the City and no. why I started Man Repeller? No. Because when I was really down and feeling otherized as a youth, I used to watch that show and they felt like my four best friends and that's what I wanted to recreate with Man Repeller, like creating this best friend for peeps. That's what I, my standup is based on. I wanted to pick up where Sex in the City left off and that's how I started writing. I started going, uh, there was Wait, this void. Things. I think we should write something I think you're together. right. I feel like I. Did you just see that? Yeah, that was, was like, a, was like a, a tiny, tiny fly. That was like a fly that came out of our union. As soon as we touched each other, like this fly came out. That was like a weird magical a like work. moment. Or we can just do magic shows. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, Sex and City came off the air, and there was like this. <clears throat> I didn't get it. There was like this void, and I was like, if Sex and City was still on, what would they be writing about? What would Samantha say about Facebook? Yeah, what would yeah. you know Charlotte say about an IUD? Like all this new stuff that was coming out, and I was so curious. And then you were watching the Bat Mitzvah episode one night, <laughs> and you were like, done. <laughs> and uh, and so my ass was getting eaten one day, and I decided to write bits about it. <laughs> so that's kind of like how I focus my energy every day. I was like, I'm going to what write what I think Sex and the City would do episodes about. Yeah. And that's how my stand-up started like coming together and like working. You know, because I started actually writing what I cared about instead of being like, Jet Blue, guys, has new peanuts. Like, I stopped doing what I thought audiences wanted Want, to hear right. and just did what I wanted. And then I started working with Michael Patrick King. So every time I work with him, I get to, or like I see him, I get to ask him a different story about Sex and the City. Yeah. And uh, that's our rules. Every time I see you, I get to ask you like about one scene or once, and you have to tell me like all the gossip about it. That's and so it's good. The greatest thing ever. Patricia Field, who you must know, 
Mm -hmm. She, like the um, finale of the show, remember she, uh, Sarah Jessica wore that, you know, purple dress to the premiere of the, or the that opening of that thing, that big ass yeah. pro that made no sense. There was mm -hmm. no way she could have packed it. I like, know, it was I like, saw that suitcase. And remember, it did not, it did not fit in her. there. That was no, a tiny no, to me, hashtag no. tiny to me. And <laughs> she was like lying in the bed asleep in it and he hit her and she said this beautiful hotel room and the whole speech that was later plagiarized on Bachelorette. And the reason that dress happened and that scene kind of happened is Michael Patrick King went downstairs into the wardrobe room and Patricia Field was like, this dress wants to be in the show. That's great. Yes, and Michael was like, well, it's not, no, we've written an episode. She's like, I don't know what to tell you, it wants to be in the show. And, and then boom. <laughs> and then he's like, fine, okay. And then before like, you know it, she's if, picking little sapphires up off the floor. As if it was Michelle Obama or something, yes. Uh -huh. And he's picking up little sapphires, yes. And then he's sewing tool, big. yeah. Wow, that's this, so strong. If the dress wants to be in the show, figure it out. But to this point about um, turning your comedy into something that better reflected who you are, I think that we should just let the bug go. I like the fly. For me, it's my support system. I just... Um, it's your demon, like in the Golden it's, Compass. It's totally, <laughs> totally. Do, don't you feel like there's no room for dishonesty anymore? In stand-up? Like, it no. is, in, generally, across the board, it is impossible not to be authentic. Um, okay, it's definitely possible, but I think that because um, people do it, it all the time, it's de very detectable. Um, you know, I was just having this conversation um, about, like, it's easier to cheat, but harder to get away with it. Right? right, so Ashley Madison, transparency is like the new lying. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do think that it's harder to lie, it's easier to lie to yourself. I think that's the place that we're in right now. It's harder for me to say to you, I like Kim Kardashian. Yeah, like I'm totally a fan. Really you know I'm this you, lens. you know I'm lying or whatever. Right. Or like that looks really cute on you. Like you know what's happening. We're all uh -huh. smart now. But it's easier for me to say like I don't know, I'm not addicted to my phone and I like will pick it up on the freeway while I'm driving. Right. You know, we lie to ourselves a little bit more I yeah. think these days. Well, I think we always lie to ourselves. That like what that Joan Didion quote, we tell ourselves stories in order to live, right? Yes. Yes. But um <laughs> Which we, we always know, have. We tell ourselves lies or in like, order to tweet. Or like, I'm following someone like, oh, my friend, Leon. Like, I can't really call you my friend yet. But oh, like, I'm totally calling you my friend. <laughs> well, you're my best friend. <laughs> so I was with my sister Whitney earlier. <laughs> this is the longest I've hung out with anyone in like years, by the way. Um, and uh, I think that we have this um, artificial, the only thing that's artificial I think now is our sense of connectedness right. and our sense of intimacy. Yeah. Whereas our authenticity, as you said, is absolutely, I think, more increased. Our sense of intimacy has decreased. Eddie Slaman, who's the creative director of St. Laurent, okay. was um, being interviewed by Yahoo, by uh -huh. the former editor-in-chief of Style.com. And he said, Yahoo! <laughs> Choir, and said, hashtag. And, and he said something that I have not been able to shake since I read it, which is that privacy is the new luxury. Yep. And I sort of feel like that relates to what we're talking but about But I don't think here. a lot of people want privacy. They want uh, certain they kinds of promise. I think they don't know they that they want it. They want privacy on their terms. They, they want everything on their terms. They want, exactly. They want privacy that they don't know they need yet. So they want right. selfies everywhere and they want me and, you know, I want photos of me and you together and look and we have followers. But, but what they, they don't, don't realize. they don't want to be stopped at a restaurant. And they don't, or they don't want their credit card to get stolen when they buy 50 things on Amazon. And they right. don't want it five years when everybody's re records are public. That text message they sent five years ago where mm -hmm. they went like, hey, faggot, to their friend. Right. And they don't realize that's going to lose them a job in five years. Totally. It's that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
They want privacy on their terms, yeah. which is what Apple is trying to give them. Yes. Generation yes. I. But it's also, if you want privacy, it's the same thing with like, um, you know, a positive environment. I know so many people who are always like, I just, I hate negativity, I hate negativity. And it's like, well, you're negative. So that's why you have negativity around you. It's the same thing with privacy. You want privacy, you have to behave in a way that is conducive to privacy. So don't. Yeah, that's a self-diagnosis. Yeah. That I hate negativity, I hate negativity. It, it, and that sort of also boils back down to the narcissism thing. Yeah, which we haven't like, got to, by the mm -hmm. way. Do you, you want to get to that? You keep avoiding. I have two very important questions for you, though. See, you you might not be one because you don't want to get to the question about it. There's a question about you that you keep avoiding. Which well, you're just much more interesting than I am. I'm really not. So but. let's say I let's say that I was meeting you for the first time and you wanted to make a really good impression. We what did is like, that. What Just is like, like the one thing you would say to me? If like, I want to make a good impression on you? Yeah, or on anyone. It's not specifically me. I don't try to make good impressions because I know only because I'm in a 12-step program that it's impossible to control other people's perceptions of you. So I know that before I even met you, you had some kind of idea that I can't control or compensate for or work for, so I didn't try very hard. Did you notice? So that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing that You're I'm gonna, here what, and if say, I, oh, she's so thoughtful and in a 12-step program. But in your thing, if I was, I can drink, by the way, don't worry. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that if I tried, you would sense it, and then you would just walk away thinking I was inauthentic. Because right. like exactly what you're saying, everybody knows when you're being inauthentic now. So I just all I try to do is be authentic, even if it's boring or not funny. And I used to me five years ago was bits, bits. Hey, boo, what's this? Boo, is this squirt? Well, blah, blah, jokes, jokes. And then you're right. just like, I'm exhausted. Right, and that also comes with confidence, though, doesn't it? Yeah, or just be feeling like you're enough. Yeah. You know, I think. But which, that's also a confidence which thing has, and an honesty thing. Which I did not thing. learn. My mom didn't say when people are mean to you, that means they hate themselves. I used to think I had to audition for people's love and that um, I learned this recently. It was literally a newsflash to me that mm -hmm. I read somewhere in a self-help book. Not that I need it. Um, they said uh, love is not earned. Approval is not earned. And I was like, what? Yes, it is. You constantly have to go around every day and earn approval with your clothes, with your body, with your jokes, with your makeup, with your this. Like, right. it didn't occur to me that you're not supposed to be trying to earn people's approval all day. Mm -hmm. So I just started putting that into action recently. I think it's made me a little more boring. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say but, that's not true. Thank you. This is a fast. Wait, so approval's not earned. earned. That makes a lot of sense, but then what is approval? Approval, Period. or just sort of another person. So, you liking me, uh -huh. the goal is for me to not be like, I really hope she likes me. Right. My, the Let's goal is just I meet. like myself. Her, her opinion's not really any of my business. I feel like my personality changed a lot since I started transcendental meditation. Yeah. Because so much of that theory is like, just let the thoughts come and go. And so and I like, witness them and don't, yeah. Right. And I apply that to like every vertical of my life is like, just let it. Well, you're also owning your inner monologue. So you're not projecting it onto other people. So Maybe. like you're inside your own body. So you're not needing to like, you know, the mentally masturbate all over other people and like, which I used to do, and just like the use them for your needs. You know, you're not trying to get your internal needs met externally through other people, just in unhealthy ways. That's so awesome. And Except so, for these guys. So these motherfuckers that know German. Um, <laughs> what is it again? Schadenfreude is a very important term because it's basically what the internet is now getting joy from other people's embarrassment, basically. Right? I read a headline today that said the death of tabloids is happening? Mm hmm Or isn't happening? It is happening. The death of tabloids as in it was paper just a tabloids? You know what's funny? Tablo headlines to me are such a science. I don't, you obviously know about this. 
the way they tease them now is always so. They're literally a science. There's so, like data behind them. They're so desperate to get you to click. It's like, is your drinking water killing you? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I can't not click on this. Totally. You know? Yeah. We're. I want to do like a shouts and murmur type story called like 10 ways to ensure a viral story. The first being like how to win a billion dollars by blinking your eyelids. <laughs> or by clicking this link. <laughs> like that's exactly. literally what you, how do you get someone to click a link? But then it's also, I'm enough. Maybe I don't need you to click my link. Right. Maybe I need a couple less followers instead of stooping to the lowest common denominator, mm -hmm. which I feel like you and I talked about earlier. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to do me, one We're trillion. Yeah. I'm going to do me. And if you don't click on my link, like you're lost. Yeah, I well, that's sort of difficult, right? Because like when you're running a business and when you're talking about your business and yes. you have to think about scaling, right? It's like, it's not that it's not enough yep. to just do you, yep. But you get you get ready for more at a certain inflection point, right? Right. The but, same way that like after marriage, all of a sudden your ovaries start vibrating. Yes. Is it after marriage or is it just at a certain age? Curious because I don't I know. For me, it's marriage. Okay. For me, it was because now you found the guy you actually want to have a kid with. Yeah. Because you didn't want to have a kid before you met him. Because uh, that's I, where I feel like I am. I'm like, I don't want a kid if I don't have a good father in the mix. Well, when we first got married, I was like, there is a zero percent. I cannot imagine myself ever being ready for children. And I know that that's what's expected of me because I'm yeah. one of four and he's one of four and we're both like Orthodox Jews. But I cannot imagine a reality where I am putting everything else on a back burner to have children. For someone else, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, where am I fertility doctor at? It's, you're gonna look real cute with a pregnant belly and a little crop top too. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get so fiercely large. You're not gonna be able to do all your little crunches in the office. I think they're, they're gonna be more interesting. You're gonna do a little. <laughs> it's gonna be some very, they're gonna end up on some weird websites. <laughs> you're nine months pregnant right now, don't lie. Oh, that'd be so cool. No, it wouldn't at all, that not poor at baby. All. You're gonna have a lot, a lot of different Outfits. Could you tell me about your fashion philosophy that we were talking about a little bit before, but not actually talking about? Yeah, I don't. Ha I mean, I mean, for me, like I had to learn what my fashion philosophy was when I started mm -hmm. writing TV shows and having to dress characters and having to and started realizing that clothes tell a story, and I didn't totally understand that implicitly right. before writing a TV show because you know wardrobe is the most important thing about making a, a casting a character and having yeah. an act because someone comes in and like an actor would come in that it was a businesswoman and she would come in dressed a certain way and I was like nope not the part like right. I was just like oh my god our brain is so conditioned clothes is so important it mm -hmm. says everything you need to know about a person their choices their values how much money they have how much money they don't have sometimes right. when you're dressed too flashy I think you don't have money what are you trying to prove you're insecure yeah. it's just like so deep so in creating a character writing is like 20% of it casting is like 30% of it and like 50% of it is wardrobe yeah it's you need to be able to tell me everything about this character in one second because otherwise um, it looks like I'm a bad writer mm -hmm. if the costume isn't right you know so I yeah. remember I wrote this character who was broke that was like a really big part of her story and she was always in like stiletto heels and stuff and it's like now I look like a shitty writer sorry am I allowed to say that yeah, yeah. I said fuck I don't look yeah I look like a fucking shitty writer <laughs> because she's in Louboutin so it just looks crazy and feels inconsistent and authentic well, that's sort of what happened with Carrie Bradshaw right she was always like tumbling about buying Manolo Blahniks and I yes. was like I freelance wrote for years and you know what I didn't do live yeah. anywhere but my mom's house yes However, I think that Sex and the City and a lot of people like 
they want to go watch Superman and Marvel movies and have it be fantasy. Right. But then they want to watch, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like there's some fantasy elements mm -hmm. in um, Sex and the City that a lot of people want to be like, man, it's not man. Right. Real. Yeah. But well, that's also a sign of the time. That was an interesting time where like yes. people were getting ready for the yes, like the the hi-fi real stuff. Yes. But and characters also don't belief. talk in hilarious jokes. People don't. You actually kind of do. But mm -hmm. most human beings don't. And Michael Patrick King says, what if your friends had you know, a writing staff. That's basically what Sex and yeah. the City is, yeah. you know? So they also don't do hilarious voiceover Which and, would be so cool. and have a new book come out every single year. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of things. Also, like, did you see Superman? The bullet stopped at his eye. That didn't really happen either, guys. Yeah, that's not a thing. Transformers aren't real, guys. Yeah. It's television. Batmobile, not a car. Not a car, guys. Um, in a museum, maybe. Uh, Fashion, though, I was tr giving some thought to this before because I didn't want to totally waste your time when I came in today, but I think that I use um, what I wear to compensate for whatever I'm lacking in a certain day. So mm -hmm. if I'm feeling vulnerable or weak or scared, I will dress in a really tough way. Right. And like boots and or sneakers and like a leather jacket, jeans. And you're aware of that happening as it's happening? I think I'm pretty aware of it. And when I'm feeling strong, I'll dress in a more, I hate the word feminine, but in a more delicate right. way. You know, yeah. um, which is sort of my way of like healing. Uh -huh. Like I'm kind of really into color healing and fabric healing and stuff. So it's like I have my power colors and then I have my safety are they red colors. And blue? My are yellow, brown, and blue. Huh. Yeah. My whole thing with fashion is that I really like. I feel very satisfied when I can surprise people. So most people meet. That's me That's a really like, good philosophy. Most people meet me and they're like, oh, just another stupid fashion girl. And then I open my mouth and the conversation is a little... I don't think anyone thinks that about you. Well, I mean, when you see me on the street, I'm wearing this like obnoxious coat with like a pair of heels and these huge sunglasses When I look on. again, but you're a mirror for somebody. So if someone thinks that, that means they have something Are wrong with them. If I look at you because I am relatively secure, I mean, I'm hanging by a thread, but I've worked really hard to be secure. If I look at you, I'm like, damn, she knows some shit I don't know. And I would follow you for like four blocks to like see where you were going. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, I'd be like, she knows some stuff I don't know. And, and then like, on block number four, you'd be like, Aster Wines and Liquor? <laughs> really? Bevmo? Wait a second. I never saw that coming. The waxing place again. Oh my God, it's on enough 8th already. Fertility doctor. Oh, Let's hang. That's, that is everywhere I go. We have some things in common. Mm -hmm. I think I also dress in a way where if I want to hide, I'll hide. You know, like I'll wear something um, either too dressy. I used to really mock femininity. I did mm -hmm. that for a while. I would wear like to like when I had to do like Tate like anything televised, like late night shows, I'd wear really feminine stuff mm -hmm. that was very like, fuck you, I'm a girl. Yeah. It was a weird way of uh, leaning in or something to being a girl, because there was... Uh -huh. <laughs> We've been leaning out this whole conversation. We sure have. I feel like Sheryl Sandberg's gonna be pissed. I don't know, I'm writing a book called We're, Lean Out. Really, Lean mm -hmm. Out, yeah. or Lean Back, <laughs> as Jay-Z would say. <laughs> Which with the shoulder pads, you're the cheating. The cover's a gif. You can... <laughs> And the book's a meme. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> a meme. 500 memes. Um, I sometimes, um, I don't like new clothes. I only like old clothes for some okay. reason. I don't like new th things that, I, I mean, I love new things. Why do I love new things? I love new things. We'll get to the narcissist test in a second. I love new things. <laughs> I think mine is actually more narcissistic because I like having things that nobody else has. Okay. I wrote this joke on a show and it's one of my favorite jokes ever because it's something I've always wanted to do. I had a character in a show who had a lot of money mm -hmm. and her and her friend were admitting secrets and she goes, okay, now you admit a secret. And she goes, 
when I buy something at a store, I buy all the other sizes so no one else can have it. I remember that. Which I always wanted. Like when I buy something new, I'm like, I want to buy all of them because I don't want anyone else to have it. Which is like my weird way of like needing to be the only one that has something. Huh. Which is, I don't know what that impulse is. I don't think it's healthy. But old vintage stuff, like I know no one else is going to have it. And right. it's like, is I mean, that vintage? That this jacket? is. I don't even know. It's cool. What's thank you? It's real great. Someone asked me if it was Chanel, and I was like, LOL. No, it's, it's not. It's great. But it I like old things. I like things with um like history Stories. to them mm -hmm. that smell weird. Like my friends always make fun of me because I'll buy something at um a flea market and put it on right away, and they're like, no, you have to wash that. And first. you're like, no, I'm. I don't think it. so. I think it's helping my immune system. It's really. My boosting. mom is pretty superstitious, and the first time I bought something vintage, she was like, we don't know why that person had to sell that. Maybe they were broke, and I was like, she's like, now you're gonna lose all your money. <laughs> oh, like karmic. My, yeah, my mom has this um, voodoo immigrant. Juju. No, she's got this like Im this like uh, immigrant fight or flight. Okay, or flight you're or very xenophobic thing. and anti-Semitic, from what I can tell. <laughs> my, I'm I am totally first generation American. <laughs> Love like it. I grew up telling people that my most important possession was my passport. <laughs> That's what I was conditioned to believe. That probably still is, by the way. I guess. I, don't I know. treat I my like passport you. like it's it's the Hope Diamond. Because, I, like, yeah. I mean, the amount of time it takes to get a new one, it really is pretty important. The Bob Hope Diamond? The, the Hope Diamond? Is it, oh, I just wanted to call it the Bob Hope Diamond. <laughs> I'm sure there's one of those, too. I feel like that's a cubic zirconia. Um, but uh, I like weird stuff. I like buying things that I never wear, that I have aspirational clothes, that are like uh -huh. one day when I get the self-esteem to wear that, I will. That's cool. So I have a lot of things with tags on them that I like, you know, or it's like a goal. It's like some people have skinny jeans, like I want to fit into those. Mine are like, I just want to one day have the balls to wear yeah. that. Like I have these rag and bone white suspenders that are have leather straps. Why don't you feel like you have the balls to wear those? Because I feel like as a comedian, I can never wear something that I would make fun of if I saw it. And it's a little Celine Dion when she wore the suit backwards. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that outfit. I'm not mad at that outfit. Mm -hmm. But I have this obsession that if I ever get married, I'm going to wear a white suit. So I hoard anything that's like a white pant suit thing for a the, the, for three, the, or, the three or four weddings have, I have coming up. Do you have a partner? I don't have a partner. Okay. I'm eight months um, not dating. Eight, eight, eight months, months. Eight months clean. You're yeah. eight months clean. I haven't You're dated. Free. I haven't dated in eight months. I did used to in my twenties. I'm just gonna admit this. Fine, because uh, that's we're on the internet and that's how we do things. Um, which is that when I was in my twenties, I used to my fashion philosophy was buy things that the guy I was dating would like. So if I was like dating someone mm. from the south, I would buy like cowboy boots. If I because I was very like I'm gonna be whoever you want me to right. be instead of, I had no identity, mm -hmm. and uh, I was very codependent, so it's like, I remember my closet. But everyone does a little bit of that. I mean, the that's, thing that's great about fashion is that you get to come in and out of identity. And you get to, yeah, you get to be characters, but I remember having like five different um, football jerseys for every guy I dated, because I cheered for so many different teams. It was like Redskins, Browns, Dolphins, Dallas Cowboys, and it was just like a history of all my relationships. So now, I feel like clothes for me are like a museum of every person I've tried right. to be the, in the past. Yeah. Like, I remember when I tried to be this guy, you know? Did you ever date anyone that was obsessed with jam bands? Uh, <laughs> no, I no. didn't. Yeah, me neither. What? Maybe I don't I have an arsenal of Almond Brother t-shirts. <laughs> what? I had a, I have a Duran Duran, it's actually one of my most, most favoritist 
possessions. Um, it's a Duran Duran t-shirt, like old school. It's like super thin, and I don't know who left it at my house. Oh, some that's guy, cool and it's of you. tight on me. So I was like, did I hook up with someone who's skinnier than me? That's so weird, but I love it. Oh, can we talk about weight for a second? Sure. Is that cool? Yeah, love so it. So I was reading on the internet as I was doing some vague. Research Am I on the on internet? You. You're on the internet. Oh mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. If you Google your name and then hit news, lots oh of stuff no. Comes up. So can you talk to me about sure. your, about your weight and its loss? Yes. <laughs> And then it's, it's gain. Yeah. Right. Where is my weight? Google my weight. You can't find it. Uh, it's gone. Um, so I, as everyone in their teen years, um, had some, I would say, disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I can or say, disordered habits. Or I can say an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I have no shame around that word. Okay. I think most people have one these days, so I'm fine women, saying that. I think that all women have unique relationships with, with food. food. And for me, it was a lot about control, mm -hmm. and it was definitely a lot about being thin. My mom was always very thin. My mom, the messaging I got was, I gotta lose five pounds, I gotta lose five pounds, and she was very thin. So that got sort of burned into my brain uh -huh. of like, when you're thin, you still need to lose weight, right. which I now realize is insane. But as a kid, you just believe whatever your mom or your totally. family says. Yeah. And um, so I. What's funny is that you you can never, or it takes a while to even start recognizing that stuff because yes. in spite of learning self-awareness, the stuff that's ingrained from so early takes a lot more unlearning. Yes, you're exactly right. Reparenting, like mm -hmm. reprogramming, quite yeah. frankly. It's like old tapes, right. you know? And it's a neural pathway that you actively have to try to change. So that's exactly right. And then you moved, I was, like I did like informal modeling, which is when you walk around a department store in the clothes and you're like, hi, there's a sale upstairs on Alexander Wang and there's more things like this. Like I would also stand on a block in pantyhose, like Hugh pantyhose, and be like, there's pantyhose on sale over here. Like the annoying girl standing in the store basically trying to spray perfume on right. you, but like in the clothes. Yeah. So like there's a Chanel trunk show upstairs yeah. and I would go upstairs and stand in the clothes and then ladies would go, oh, can you go put this on? And I would go put that on. And they right. would go, I would, it was like really. You were a piece of meat. I was a piece of meat. I was, it was a dark time. Um, and I did that. And then I also did um, fit modeling, which is mm -hmm. when you just stand yeah. there and they fit clothes on you. So I had to be like dying of anorexia oh, to be people, like a that, zero. That seems so difficult to me because people are staring at you so intently and not seeing you. Yeah, it That's was hard. It was objectifying, but like I always was like, this is so boring. I hate this. This is the worst. But I was being um, tacitly rewarded for being skinny at a young age also. Right. So I think I was like, oh, this is making me money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was reinforced. Mm -hmm. And then I got into college and then and then I learned, oh, you only look good in clothes if you're skinny. That just was right. what my 15-year-old underdeveloped brain thought. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm getting attention for this. We basically just keep doing what we get attention for, right? Yeah. Like anything. So I just kept doing it because I was getting attention. And then uh, I got older and then our habits, our survival mechanisms stopped working for us. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden like my hair was falling out. I'm like, what am I doing? This is crazy. And then I got on a TV show and got in this business and then uh, you just fit into things easier, you know? Like when stylists are like, oh, the size two fits you. Like, oh, you're a dream. They'll say things like that, you know? Right. And you're like, oh, I just want this, my stylist to like me. Yeah. And then I saw myself on TV one day and I also have done a lot of work and I uh, was like, didn't have a lot of energy. I had adrenal exhaustion and all this stuff. And cause I was eating like chicken and salads, which yeah. is like what everybody eats and just thinks is all you need. Mm -hmm. And then um, I saw myself on TV and I was like, ugh, like that's not, that's not cute. Like, right. you don't, that's not, sexy that's not all the things I thought I was being right and I feel like I'm a bad role model to girls you mm -hmm. know and so I was like this is crazy and I put on like um like 20 almost 25 pounds 
and I feel like how skinny were you? I was very skinny. You are a very leaf woman. I was like half of you. That's insane. <laughs> I was like you and a half, uh, and uh, I feel like I look better in clothes. I feel so much sexier, more sexual. Like right. I have this awesome stylist who's Depleted super into libido, it. Depleted libido, right? Depleted libido. I wasn't into myself. Guys aren't into that, by the way. No. It's like the. And, and you know what else guys aren't into? Everything about Mad Repeller. Every. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I love like the deal, but do you feel that for no, real? No, it's not literal. I it's feel totally like like a, a I feel like it's thing. I feel like you're doing you're doing you're beating um like you're doing what comedians do. We beat you to the punch. Totally. I'm not gonna let you laugh at me. I'm gonna make the joke mm -hmm. first because I feel like guys look at you and go, oh my god, girls are like cool and funny, and fashion doesn't have to be like annoying. Right. Fashion isn't about me like going to BB and like holding your purse like. <laughs> Fashion girls can be like cool and funny. Right. Is it Bebay or BB? Well, I just I haven't heard any, I it was mentioned twice today, and before today I hadn't heard anyone <laughs> reference Did you BB. Know? No. Yeah, before today I hadn't Virgo, heard Virgo, we're having like a Virgo meltdown. Did you mention Arden B? Should I have said Arden B no. instead? Or Arden B. Wet Seal, wow. how dare you? Wet Seal. Oh, wow. Do you so remember the Spiegel times. catalog? No, I never got that, but I did get the Delia's catalog. Delia's, I was super into Delia's and Newport News uh, when I lived in the South. And then I would go through the Victoria's Secret catalog, just like one day I'm gonna have those latex fans. Oh. That's blue silk suit. I would just look through that. Like I wanted to be Heather Locklear. And you were like, this is only gonna look good on me if I look like a popsicle. Yes, because Heather Locklear on Melrose Place. Right. I remember she was like my style icon, like like suits with mini skirts, yeah. remember? Like that was like her whole thing. Mm -hmm. and I I thought I was going to be like Heather Locklear, and I'm almost there, guys. <laughs> I just work a little I, bit harder. You look great. I feel really good about but myself. But it also seems like a really healthy and natural way to like beat yourself to the illness. Yes, and 180 to Kim Kardashian, something I do love about Kim Kardashian. I don't have a lot of qualms with her. I feel like it's so cliche to be like Kim Kardashian. I love that she's putting that body out there. Yeah. Like, that's an alternative, like... You know, it's not Kate Moss. I mm -hmm. feel like we all need to stop pretending like Kate Moss is awesome. She's not awesome. She's an anorexic drug addict. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm the only person, I, this is probably the wrong place to say this, uh, but I don't know why we keep celebrating her like she's like this hero, like hero or something. I feel like Kim Kardashian is who I would rather my daughters right. look, watch, up to. look up to. So I really like this, this um I also like that you, and I think that this is part of how, this is your, I can't tell if it's a defense mechanism or you truly do like yourself this much is that you kind of like like mess up your hair and I can't I, it might be your version of I'm gonna control why you laugh at me are you not telling me I look great right now no, <laughs> no but you're just I mean it's like this thing I can't <laughs> I mean you you're such a sprite. You're like this a lovely nymph sprite. You're I like interviewed DVF for the chat room a couple weeks wearing ago. Wearing her shoes right now. Oh, yeah. look at that. We're basically and you know friends. what she said to me? What? She's like, I really admire you because you're not wearing any makeup. I hate when people say things like that. I like, I like, I like that she said that. She actually said it well. I, I don't like when people go, you know, you're so awesome. I mean, I was wearing more makeup that day than I have worn in, in a long time. Well, that's. I think she meant you don't look like you know. I was just wearing mascara. I really don't uh, wear makeup. Angelique or whatever. But I, I don't like when people give you backhanded compliments. Like I have people say to me all the time. They're like, you know, I really admire you. Like you don't even care what you wear. And I'm like, I put like 45 minutes into choosing right, this, right. you know? Or people like, you're just, you're so bohemian. I'm like, that means I look bad, but you're okay. You're like, I shower, I just showered. Yeah, yeah. People are like, you're so like clean scrubbed to look. Like you're such fresh face. I'm like, I'm wearing nine layers of makeup. 
You do look fresh faced. Thank you. I put a lot of time into my skin. It, and I'm not going to lie great. about it. I'm not going to be like, I woke up like this. I did not wake up like this. And it gets annoying because part of the hate that I get uh -huh. is that people think that I had all this work done to my face. And that, and also even that's if you hard did, for me. who cares? Why is that Who cares? Because cause one day I might, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's not where I'd start if I was going to get work done. Um, but uh, I do, it does frustrate me because I put so much work into, um, first of all, gaining weight was the best thing I ever did for my face. Uh -huh. I, I, people thought I got a facelift. So that was hard for me because I was like, oh, I just put on this weight for a healthy reason. And now you guys are saying I got work done when I really just got over my eating disorder. Yeah. You know? And then I do Ulthera, which is like a laser. I do this other laser called a new face. I do LED, like I put effort into it. So I'm like, I might as well just not because you guys are gonna, I feel like as women, as we get shamed if we age and then we get shamed if we solve the aging problem. Yeah, damned if you do, damned, damned if you don't. Damned if you don't. So you can't get involved. It's like, all right, what you think of my face is none of your business. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, do you get, did you get cheek implants? I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but now I'm gonna Google it and I might. Your mom does not get cheek implants. She gets stuff like put over here. That's not cheek implants. My mom does a lot of maintenance. Does she want you? You shouldn't say this about your mom on your show. I love you, mom. But she, you she can't. She recommended you, I get Botox. I was like. I Okay, here's the other thing. No, these are indentations of knowledge. I have Botox, but here's the thing. But lines are back. Lines are now a sign of youth. My, my dad used to tell me that the deeper they get, the smarter I am. Ooh, so I like I, that. You I had good like, parents. I am consistently like. But yeah, people say I got Ow. Botox and I have four lines right on my head yeah, right that's here. that's stupid. So my thing is I get annoyed because I'm like, well, then I might as well just go get it if people think no, I have it anyway. No, don't. You know? But no. so anyway, that's the unhealthy cycle you get yeah. into when you have constant feedback on the internet. But this is also kind of what I mean by the surprising. Like, do, are people ever like, oh, no, Whitney Cummings is way too beautiful to be this funny and smart? Um, I d don't think that happens. I feel like that's over with all the with is it? Chelsea Handler and Kristen Wiig and mm -hmm. Amy Schumer and... Uh, um, uh, Maya Rudolph and all these funny right. girls, the Broad City girls. I feel like that conversation is just a little bit, oh, if you don't think Over. I'm funny, I don't think it has anything to do with what I look like. I just think you probably just don't think I'm funny. Right. You know? I've, so something, I feel like it's still very much a fashion, uh, a condition that is present in fashion. And part of the mission statement of Man Repeller is, is like, uh, your interest in fashion should not minimize your intellect. Like we're I allowed to that. sit here and talk about my skirt from Topshop and then yes. with like the same conviction yes. talk about the psychology of an eating disorder. And right? we're also allowed to, which I love what you do, we're also allowed to um, be in the fashion world and like not be super serious and like, you know. And still respect it. I, and still respect yeah. it. And I think that conversely, what I'm sort of trying to do a little bit one step at a time in comedy is be like, we're allowed to be funny but also be fashionable. So I don't think it has to be pretty like my special. I just shot an HBO special and I had my stylist, amazing stylist, Carla Welsh, um, who I love, um, style me and she really pushed me. I had never worn a skirt. I've never worn a skirt on stage before, still today. I almost did. I'm not, I, I didn't this time, but she had me in heels. I've never been in heels. And she had a vintage ball man, mm -hmm. is that right? V-neck lace vintage camisole, no bra, um, uh, YSL blazer, like, and had my hair down, which I've also never done on stage. So she was really pushing me, like, you can be fa funny and fashionable. I can thought I, I had to. Can I dress you one time also? For I thought a I show? had to pick. Hmm? Can I dress you one time first? Yes. That would be so much Please. fun. Please. But I also thought you have to pick. You either have to be funny, fashionable, or smart. 
You right. can be all three. Of course and you can you're be all three. proving that. No, you're proving that. Well, I mean, I'm trying. I mean, to at least in my own head say it's okay to be all three. You don't have to pick one. You know, because I thought like I had to wear hoodies to be funny and mm -hmm. just totally neuter myself. Well, that's also because we were taught that you can't have it all. You can't have it all. You're exactly right. And I'm like, wait a second, why can't I? Mm -hmm. Why can't I wear a skirt on stage? The thing that's funny about those three particular things is that all three character traits can be inherent to who you are as an individual, right? Yeah. It's not like work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. Those are external variables. Yeah, you but it's also the work. And also, if I'm on stage and you think I'm less funny or take me less seriously because of what I'm wearing, that means you're an idiot. Yeah. If you're that, that means you're really, really frustrated. Yeah, it's like you're lost. If mm -hmm. like you're focusing on what I'm wearing instead of what I'm saying, like what's going on with you? Or I need to write better jokes. Or and that's at, my problem. And then at that point, you can you can just like roll that out into a therapy session. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like what's going on that women can't like? I think that we have triggers. So you're probably triggering to people. I know I'm triggering to people because I'm loud and I'm direct and I'm like you know honest with people and it's right. triggering. You know, like all powerful women are going to be triggering in some way, mm -hmm. like you probably trigger people because it's like, wait a second, she's not allowed to put that with that. Like I've worked, we have all these rules and she can't just break the rules. She can't just come in here at, you know, being so young with all her Instagram followers and like take fashion by storm. That probably triggers a lot of people, right. you know, but that's like, that's not your shit. Stay no. in your lane. Like, I don't want to be in your lane. I'm in the fucking shoulder lane. It's not my fault if they want to come <laughs> hang out in here with me. Not my fault that I'm fucking awesome and you're a bummer. It's not my fault that they decided to drive slowly next to me <laughs> while they figured out their navigation. In their leaf. That's a car. <laughs>